Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Gods are pure and they're perfect and they're above it all and they need to stay that way. Why have average when you can have extraordinary and A-Train is the fastest person in the world, but can he teach people to outrun cancer? We are talking Amazon's The Boy, Season 1, Episode 2, Cherry! The After Buzz After Show starts right now. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz... Cherry Bomb! Hey, that thumbs up thing is definitely... Hey, stop talking, I'm cut off. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I, I, I gotta get over that thumbs up thing. I really feel like, you know what you remind me of? You remind me of uh, of Thumbs Up Jesus from... <laughs> you know what I'm talking what? about? The Kevin yeah, Smith's movie? Yeah, Kevin Smith... Yeah, the thumbs up Jesus. Thumbs up Jesus, yeah, man. Yeah, like Jesus. Kind of I thing. have the superpower of cutting people off and thumbs up Jesus. He looks like Jesus if Jesus was actually from London, and he's not. <laughs> so let me tell you, as someone who's half Middle Eastern, uh, if Jesus looked like Stephen, the one thing we'd notice is that he looked like Stephen. That would be a concept I'm privileged Jesus. Yeah. That's a compliment, right? <laughs> love it. Yeah. I love it. But if you don't know who he is, all the way to my left, as we're talking all things Amazon's The Boys, Season 1, Episode 2, Cherry, on the panel is... Uh, Privileged Jesus. The privileged Jesus. <laughs> uh, I have many aliases so far. But yeah, guys, I'm so happy to be here. This show is awesome. Episode 2 changed a lot of what I thought about where this show's direction was going for this series. And I'm way more excited now. Even more excited than you were. I'm more excited because I, I just... It's just my intros. I'll get to overall thoughts in a minute, Tehran. I'll, I'll think about that. <laughs> try to I bait talk, me. As I talk all the way to my main man, Germany... Ben Schnell. Wow, I'm Germany for you? You're now Germany. Well, I love like, that. And I, and I really like that I have Jesus sitting right next to me. I Privileged always wanted to have Jesus oh in my Germany. God. Hold on. Can we can we call him Germany? Is that yeah. okay to be his superpower? If he's name? okay with it. Yeah, you can Cut call him. Cut off me. in Germany? If that's a good thing, you can call me Germany. Deutschland. I mean, we can call him Deutschland. Oh, you know Deutschland, right? Sprechen Sie Deutsch? Uh, yes, okay. <laughs> yeah. All right, we're getting a little too But I'm excited. Here. I'm excited, too, about the show because, honestly, a lot of surprises episode two. That's all I can say. I mean, you can say more because we're about to talk about we it. We are about to talk about it. I'm no, I just, I just keep, I just keep it like that. My I'm name is Tehran, and I am going to be hosting this panel with these two wild and crazy boys. As we are the boys of this panel, we're going to talk a lot about uh, this episode two, which was amazing. Episode two, Cherry for season one of the boys. Translucent is missing. We're going to discuss that. Dropping the Moby Dick of problems on Frenchie's plate. I love that line, and I love how that worked out, and I'm loving me some Frenchie. Starlight's first patrol, and of course, Starlight, Star Bright, just ask the fish guy. He knows. <laughs> uh, no place like Homelander. We do have a lot of Homelander. This is How could no one have found anything bad on this guy up till now? The Mallory files, what are those? Translucent gets transparent, that heart-to-heart he has with you, which is the most manipulative scene. I can't wait to talk about that. Congressional hearings don't hear so well. And 
everyone has a doppelganger, and we find out why and how, especially the senator, corporate America, Annika Panica. Did you see what I did there? And a special segment, Green Arrow. That's the special segment where we talk about what is it? The worst case scenario. <laughs> the worst case scenario for the Green power. Arrow. Green Arrow didn't even have power. Predictions, uh, slight predictions, and more. Can we talk about some of this? Amazon the boys. What were your overall thoughts, Stephen? Uh, I really, really enjoyed this episode. It it flipped it on its head in, in in certain ways that I really liked. I definitely thought Madeline knew that Homelander. Well, I thought she sent Homelander to kill the plane. From episode one. Yeah, and now we know that she didn't, and she's actually not happy with him, and he acts like such a little spoiled brat, and he's like a child. It's like we, we get to experience that these heroes are more like children than they are like functioning adults. And then, uh, throwback to last episode, I really love the bench scene, which we didn't get to talk about, but Huey and Starlight on the bench. And I really think that kind of set up for the fact that like we see the sunset with two people on a bench, a normal person and a hero, and then they're their storylines are like parallel mm. as she moves forward in hers and he moves forward in his they're both being disillusioned by everything going on around them can I just say something to the bench scene please yeah. I have to I have to say something about the bench scene I like the scene hey it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels so whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's very emotional. It shows a lot about their humanity and all that stuff. But honestly, guys... The coincidence was a little bit too much. That she's having, she's on the phone with her mom, and then out of a sudden she hangs up, and the guy's sitting right next to her. I mean, how much of a coincidence is that? Come on. Steven. Okay. I mean, maybe <laughs> okay. there's only one bench I mean, in the whole town. Like, I mean, do, come do, on. You live in the same town, and that, honestly, let's not forget this is a show. Yeah. But more importantly, exactly. it's a perfect dichotomy of their storylines. I agree with Steven that I really liked how it played out. The sunset behind them. Uh, Hugh... Huey giving the advice of all people is the one giving advice. I actually thought something romantic was going to happen between them, and my mind immediately shot to, he's going to realize that Starlight and then infiltrate through there, even though he doesn't infiltrate because his three favorite musicians don't either. Uh, I felt like something of that nature was going to happen. But that's episode one. Episode two, yeah, I thought it was great. I really loved what they did with with, uh, Translucent. I loved that we killed him. I'm really glad that he hit the button in the end and blew him straight to sludge. It the same thing. It's like Translucent says, "All you are is just a bag of blood and meat," and that was very foreshadowing of what Translucent ended up becoming. Mm. And, and and a throwback to the first episode as well. Translucent was in the trunk, so we knew something was going to happen to him. Yeah, they had to kill him. He saw their faces. A lot of things had happened. Of course, Billy Butcher and and now Huey, who is now part of this, thinking Billy was an FBI agent and he's not. He thought he was on the side of the law, and now he's finding out he is anything but lawful at this point. Yeah. So and he goes as far as becoming the one that kills Translucent. Did you think he had it in him? I did because I'm watching a TV show, but like it, from looking at the character, like I thought it might take longer for him to be the one to pull the trigger. I loved their use of "keep your hands clean" mm. as like the slogan, like "don't get blood on your hands," especially after Frenchie describes the first person he's killed, and of course Butcher not really saying that he has the heart for it 
And then showing that sign covered in blood at the end was such a powerful statement of like, okay, he's done it now. He's popped his cherry. And that's, again, the episode title, so many Cherry, names. Cherry Bomb, Popping His Cherry, uh, Covered in Blood, which is cherry flavored. Double we all know blood is cherry flavored. <laughs> that's German. Double entendre. What's that? That's no. French. Frenchy. So here's the thing. Yeah, always do that, people. Yeah, no one, no one speaks German. Interesting <laughs> concept is I... I actually thought the other other way. I thought he would have done it sooner when he went in the room the first time. It was very interesting to me that you thought it would take him longer. What did you think overall of the episode, Ben Schneider? I mean, I, I really liked it. I think that, I mean, I didn't really expect that he's going to do it, to be honest. You know, honestly, because I was a little kind of confused by this picture that he always saw. Keep it clean, right? With the baby and the, like, spaghetti on his head or something mm -hmm. like that. So I was still trying to figure out, okay, he's looking at the picture. He has this thing in his hand. And he's kind of leaving, like, going away, or he's basically walking away. And then he basically looks at the picture again, and then he presses the button. And I was like, what, what kind of a connection do you have? Why does he look at it, and then out of a sudden, he, he's able to do it? So we, you know what I mean? they did throw us for a bit of a swerve for how they edited this episode. So the editing would have the viewer believe that he's going to have an epiphany about the weakness of Translucent while looking around the kitchen. Because that's kind of what they're teeing up with Frenchie, and that's what they teed up last episode where he knew about carbon and electrocuted Translucent. Mm. And then now that he's like kind of – like I, I believe that this character is being queued up to be a better version of Frenchie that can pick out the weaknesses in these heroes before they go hunt them down. That's what I kind of think the, the series is teeing By Huey way, up to be. Noted as translucent power, he said, everyone thinks my power is invisibility, but it's not. It's that I can read people. Yeah. And here you feel that Huey is gaining, maybe that's the superpower you predicted he would have. Stretch? Fine. I'm going to say this overall for the thoughts on this, on this episode. It was an amazing episode. I expected more from Huey. Uh, and, and the fact that it took him so long. The picture, if you remember, it was to me it was a throwback to everything he saw in episode one where he saw A-Train everywhere and A-Train always covered in blood and here the spaghetti was on him. It looked like a splatter. I mean, it was just a lot of a, a lot of coincidences in that and then we saw A-Train on all these products and he was just like, I'm, I'm done with this. Mm. I'm no longer going to be the guy who has no fight in him. So when you said hey, that was episode one, this is episode two, Steven, it's all as if it's all one episode. I mean, we continued right Right where we left off. Unlike a lot of shows where they jump ahead or something else happens and there's this missing episode, we don't get any of that. Mm. We literally get right back into, and excuse the pun, the thick of the, the situation. I mean, it's very yeah. strong. Uh, and, and then the line at Gitmo, we had to waterboard Khalid Sheikh Mohammed 183 times over six months to get him to talk, and right now we don't even have six hours. Sheesh. And I and I felt panic when Homelander was flying over the city with all his superpowers. Dope. Like, like very, once again, very realistic. The special effects team definitely needs to get recognition. You know when you watch these awards and they're like audiovisual or whoever, and we're like, we don't care? This is why people care. Shows like this is why people care. Yeah. Well, I think it's also interesting because they give us a idea of his powers, Homelander, because even with his x-ray vision, you can tell it's not as powerful as you would have assumed it is. Why do you say that? Well... We see him staring at his own photo, and then it goes through the wall slowly, and he can't clearly see her. He can just kind of see her, like, with the wall still in his vision. Even with the van, when he's trying to search Frenchie's van, he has to, like, sit at it and stare at it for a while to see through it. 
I think that there's no way that he could have been flying over the city and seen into that cooler without, like, literally focusing on it for, like, probably 10 to 15 seconds. So why do you think he was flying over the city so fast? He was just scouring? I think he was looking for, like, the... the he was, like, using all his super hearing, super hearing, super sight, like, to look for any clues that could point him out. And that van became the clue. It's an abandoned building with a folding uh, panel van outside of it, which is kind of conspicuous. Do you think he's going to have a, a weakness... Yes. Yeah, I think his I think his weakness is his own emotions to be honest. What about the chat? You guys are live up and running. We have Ryan in the booth monitoring with Steven right here. So let's hear what you guys think about all this. Let's get into the first topic. Translucent is missing. So we know coming off of last last episode, Translucent is in the trunk. We see him now being dropped on Frenchie's doorstep and everyone's looking for Translucent and Corporation. They assume that it's another one of his binges. Yeah, he goes on benders now and now and again and just disappears. Pun intended. Uh, for a while, so everyone's just kind of like used to it. Plus, he's the invisible man. Like you have to kind of be used to him disappearing. But we learned that every hero has a chip, so that's something we're gonna have to get over moving forward. Because even if they kill some, one of the heroes, there's gonna be a way to track where they killed him and track where the body is and all sorts of things like that. I wonder if Homelander has a chip. I honestly think Homelander won't be taken care of this season. What do you mean? Yeah. I mean, they've already been renewed for a season two. I don't. You can't take down the entire seven in one season, right? Like, where's the show go from there? I think we have to have Homelander become a villain at the end of the season, or it just becomes super militant against the vigilantes at the end of the season. Do you remember the one, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Justice League, when there's the parallel universe where the Justice League becomes the superheroes who take over the world. That's always a fear in the Justice League, in the cartoon, obviously, where the concept is, they're so much powerful, how how do we stop them from taking over? And then there's a parallel world where they do take over. And then Batman kills them all. And Batman has a contingency plan, which we also saw clearly in the movie, which was the whole reason, yes. So, yeah, I I did see some of that, and it was, one, awesome. But, like, I definitely could see Homelander becoming a scapegoat for Madeline because he's such a puppy dog to her, and he'll do anything she says, it seems like. He also seems to have this weird fascination and fetish for her, pumping mm. milk and things like Like, it was just a little bit weird. That was weird. interesting, though. <laughs> like, well, he's got, maybe he's got mommy he's issues. No, he's yeah. clearly obsessed, and she, yeah, maybe mommy issues. But with Translucent, what did you think of Translucent, first of all, as a person who was basically in a cage? Did you feel any empathy or pity for him? No. No, not really. <laughs> no, seriously, I think it took a while to even completely see him, right? I feel like I had a problem to really identify with him because I didn't see him for almost like 30 minutes when he was in the cage, right? But I think he said something really smart about... That's special effect of the whole show. Yeah, exactly, right? But (laughs) But I really liked the scene because I feel like when Huey, uh, Huey, Huey, why do I have Huey. a problem with his name? Huey, when he comes in, you are German. Huey, that's why, right? Thank you. Thanks for reminding me of that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so um, when he comes in and is talking to him about it, I, I like the psych- psychology that they have with each other, right? So he's just trying to get more information out of him, right? But he's trying to to throw the ball back to him and is trying to, like, okay, if, I'm just going to tell you something if you're going to open the cage and let me free or something. So I like this kind of game that they have for a couple of minutes. It's Ren- very interesting. Ren- in the chat, I will have to say, pointed out that there was great cinematography in the way they shot the scene where he says, I'm not in a cage, you're in the cage. And it films it from the perspective 
of translucent with the bars in front mm, of true. Huey because Huey's literally down a rabbit hole that he can't get out of at this point. They've captured a superhero and Homelander's looking Who, by for the them. way, they have a very hard time killing because we also find out that translucent has impervious skin and is is in, like invulnerable and just all he has to do is turtle up and he's fine. <laughs> You're a bad person. So with translucent, I will talk about. There was a scene specifically between Translucent and Huey. They had a specific moment. I'm talking about the moment where Translucent gives his speech. He's a master manipulator. What were your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I feel like he was so close to get him where he wanted him you to be. You felt like he was going to crack Ye- Huey? Yeah. I, I, was, I was feeling that, but then from a filmmaker perspective, I was like, no. This can't happen right now because, you know, it has to go on, obviously. So, But then again, I didn't really see it coming that he really presses the button at the end. I didn't really see him that strong in that moment already, right? Because I feel like this guy is always, like, in between, like, you know, very emotional. But then he has these moments when he gets this anxiety. And then he maybe he does some something very unexpected. But I was like, he's still too weak for me in this moment. But he still did it, though. I was, like, very surprised by I that. think I think this this moment shows how separated from humanity the heroes are. Strong. Because... Any human in that situation would never not think that the other person would pull the trigger. He looks down on humans so much that he can't even empathize with somebody whose girlfriend was run through by another super. Like, he's literally got C4 up his butt, and he's looking at somebody saying that he's too weak to pull a trigger, even though this person's, like, shocked him, put him in a cage, done all this kind of stuff to him. He thinks that he can talk him off the ledge from killing him and says that he's weak. It's like you're pressing all his buttons and expecting him not to press the one that he has. You know, it's interesting. When I saw that interaction, it reminded me of the dark night when Joker is in the jail cell. And it reminded me of that. And and I would be very, I wouldn't be surprised to find out that uh, that was the scene that was studied to create that scene. It was shot very similarly the conversation tone in which the joker is explaining things to to batman and even though batman is the one who thinks he, he has joker locked up he's explained very similar to the way translucent was the only thing different was of course uh batman doesn't blow up the joker and we get bits the joker blows up his girlfriend basically and it's mm-hmm. it's one of those things where I felt like it was a very similar scene. I don't know if you guys got that sense, and I don't know what you guys are in the in the chat thinking, but I'd love to hear from you because, of course, you guys are as much, if not more so, a part of this chat than all of us here at the panel. We love hearing all your comments and getting you live in the chat. Well, Desmond Lawson says that not even that, what I said, he doesn't even take the trigger from him. He didn't even see a threat, but he was oh so wrong. Wow. Desmond also says, except for having pity for those who sucked victim to a system that bends your will to theirs. Uh, Desmond, uh, Yar's grandpa says that he's going to eat dinner and join us for episode three. Thank you. Uh, And let's see here. At first, I thought the girl that was with Frenchie was the female. Interesting. Um, so, I mean, people are talking all about the show, and they're all over the episode right now, honestly, because this episode had a lot to unpack. We introduced to Frenchie's girlfriend, kind of chick lady, who I thought was blind at first. She did that weird thing where she, like, rubbed her hands all over his face. Yeah. I think she has a power. Yeah, good point. She can read auras yeah. or something. Or she's another shapeshifter or something, and she needs to, like, feel somebody's face out to be able to shift into them or something. I don't know. I think there's a reason for everything, and there's no reason why she would just, like, do that to well, someone. Well, can you give people at home a reason to join our The Seven? 
Join Are The Seven because we cover every single show that you love. We have over 100 different after shows every single week here at AfterBuzz TV. So there's something for everyone. You can check out all of our shows from dramas to sci-fi to reality to competition to wrestling and sports. Everything that you could ever want right here on AfterBuzz TV. So choose the channel of your choice or choose a few. Subscribe to them and go to Apple Podcasts, rate and subscribe and give us a comment. Uh, we're going to, if this isn't on Apple yet, we're going to be on Spotify, uh, Stitcher, all the places podcasts can find. It just takes a few more days to get up on iTunes. So check it out. Uh, email us what you think. Message us what you think and comment below with I what you think. It. You guys, uh, we really appreciate you so much. Let's get into that Frenchie discussion because Frenchie was a, a new character. And at first, I didn't know if I would like him or not. And by the end of the episode, I loved Frenchie. Frenchie became so dynamic. He wasn't a, st- a static or a stagnant character. He had his own arc. That story he tells Huey about the first kill, that was just a very strong narrative. Strong. He was Leon the professional, right? Yes. Like, everyone kind of on the same page. Mm. It kind of felt like she was a grown-up Natalie Portman, and he's Leon the professional, and they're still together, and this <laughs> is like an alternate universe where they're... That's a good point. And he wasn't a bad person. See, that's the thing about a lot of times we think the killer is going to be the bad guy, but he wasn't a bad person. He had purpose. He had purpose, and he, he has a backstory and world building to him that we haven't gotten from too many characters in this show. Uh, he mentions, like, the most beautiful woman he's ever seen, slick black mini skirt, nice, uh, nice shoes and everything, beautiful black hair, but then her nails were covered in dirt and calluses. And he's like, why do you remember that? And it's like, because it's the first woman I ever killed, which was really interesting. We know that he's not quite right in the brain. He immediately offers Huey a candy flip, which is when you mix LSD with MDMA. How do you know that, Steven? Yeah, because he calls okay. it a candy flip. Oh, okay. And he says it's yeah, LSD right. mixed with MDMA. <laughs> I know who you really are. But, like, the last <laughs> thing you want to do in the situation that he's in is take LSD and MDMA. That's exactly right. what he says. The last thing I want to do is a, a hallucinogenic yeah. right now. What but, were your thoughts? Yeah, Bill? I feel like he's a, the, the typical killer for me in a way, right? Because he's one of those guys, he still definitely has kind of emotion about the past. You know, he killed this girl, but he kind of felt for her. And I think a lot of killers, they, they come across very tough from the outside, but they always have something inside going on that they still have to work on. You know? I think this is the work. This is the working professional. This isn't a typical killer. This is someone who was trained to kill. This is a government operative who's now off the grid. And I feel like his storyline and Billy Butcher, they have something together. Obviously, Billy Butcher somehow owes him $40,000 for something, maybe arms that he purchased, because, mm. because specifically, Fringy says... By trade, he's an arms dealer. He yeah. runs guns. I mean, he made that bullet made of the same stuff that his skin was. So the he's like a chemist. Stuff. He's a master of all. all. Right. And Huey actually asked him, what exactly are you? Do, yeah, because he knows everything. Yeah. And he totally. asks Huey, what do you do? You're surveillance? He's like uh, audiovisual sales? <laughs> you know? Because Radio Shack. Because <laughs> I don't know what's happen- what's going to happen in this show. I My mind races with every sentence they say. So, like, even in this episode where I thought that looking around the kitchen he was going to find a way to kill Translucent. He's going to find, like, the weakness. And when, um, when Frenchie's sa- talking to him, he says... Every single person you, you kill sticks with you. Like, at that moment, I'm like, wait a second. Are we going to get Huey killing heroes and being able to take their powers or, like, something like that? You they, really want Huey I to really have I really want Huey to have powers. That's actually one of the things uh, that you've been stuck with. Now we see Butcher going to Susan's house, who used to be the uh, CIA director or operator, and we are looking for the Mallory files. What are those? I'm still asking myself that, to be frankly honest. That was one of the scenes that I didn't really understand. To be Is honest. that the Batman yeah. contingency plan? So we get a bunch of we get a bunch of information in this scene. Yes. Uh, we get information that 
Uh, he is the reason the FBI can't go after heroes anymore. So I think he was an FBI agent or working with the CIA. Mm. Mallory was probably his partner, if I had to guess. Uh, and I think they actually were the, the squad that were like in charge of taking down the heroes gone rogue. And I think it went wrong. Mallory died, and they locked away her files because Vought probably like put a nix on the entire operation. And she's now the head of the CIA, and she can't access them if, even if she wanted to. And of course, they had a history. We see mm. they even talk about it in sexual history, Hooking intimate up in history. Bars. And then she's like, "Well, no, you actually kind of used me and sent me an edible arrangement." I don't know why that was such a <laughs> such a thing she remembered, but. Uh, this is life or death. Yeah. I'll yeah. send an edible arrangement to the funeral. Yeah, exactly. Like, savage. Uh, do you think we see her again? Yes. Yeah. 100%. I think she dies. <laughs> okay. What do you think, that? I think he's he has to be the cause of her death. I think it's like it makes sense because he, he's a flawed character. Butcher is a flawed character in the fact that he's afraid of everything he touched touching everything that he's like involved with dying he's kind of afraid that the kid's going to die too that's why he tells him to run in the beginning he's like hesitant to him include him in anything other than planting the chip and even the cia girl like he didn't want to go to her for help you could tell that he didn't he, want he to even said oh f f f f me yeah he wasn't it wasn't it was reluctant i think at this point he doesn't want to involve anyone that he doesn't have to frenchie's kind of off the list because frenchie's kind of like in the same genre of doing the bad deeds. And they've done this before. Yeah, but I think she's I think she's her life is definitely going to get turned on its head this season. Frenchie has explained that he is he's done stuff like this before, killed superheroes, he's obviously taken them down for hire. And this is just they drop these problems on his doorstep. Well, well Butcher owes Frenchie 40 grand and within a day of showing up at his doorstep, his secret hideout has completely exploded. Frenchie's like used all his resources to try to kill Translucent and they almost got killed by Homelander. And he's not that mad. Yeah. <laughs> he's really not that mad. Were you guys as panicked as I was when we saw Homelander flying above the buildings? I know we touched on it, but were you panicked? Did you think something more was going to happen there? I was more panicked when the cars were going door to door. And the officers were like at the window and you see Frenchie there. Like, I didn't know if they were going to do a shootout or something because obviously when they shot that super bullet, it ripped some of the RF shielding, which opened up the sensor for people to be able to see. But... I thought they would have a little bit more of a signal to, to triangulate that they were in the restaurant, and then we'd have some kind of stakeout. And I was expecting kind of a... I think the boys need someone with powers on the boys. I think later on it's going to become Starlet. Starlet, But, like, I thought some somebody with powers was going to get them out of this situation. Ben? Yeah. I mean, I liked the scene because when he was flying over this area, right, I didn't really know what to expect, to be honest, right? And then he's standing right next to the van. And I was like, oh my god, what's going to happen next? That was really exciting to me, this scenario, because from a filmmaking perspective, I was like, oh yeah, what are they going to do next, right? Because I felt like Billy, uh, Billy Butcher is still in the in the back of the van, you know? But then he was basically hiding behind the whatever it was, like the fridge or something like that. So I really liked that scene. It was very powerful to me. But then out of a sudden, I think they did an explosion at the other building, right? This like his like lab laboratory setup. or something yeah. like that. And I really liked the scene, how it turned out, to be honest. Yeah, everything because I was, like, very, has been destroyed. Yeah, yeah but that was very smart to do, obviously. Obviously, He's got right? his girl. It was smart to do if it was Frenchie's problem, but it wasn't. Uh, what do you guys think? Really quick, yes or no, should Billy Butcher have done this to Frenchie? Was this what? a good friend? Yeah, screw it. Why not? Oh, my gosh. You like, guys are bad friends all the way around. Like, but I want to point out something else that we learned. Yes. Because, again, they're, they're giving us clues to the weakening of Homelander. 
Okay, so like the X-ray vision's one. He barely even registered that she that uh, Starlight was walking up to him at all. Mm. He he was so focused on using his power for X-ray vision. Even with the car, there's the van. There's no reason he wouldn't have been able to hear, hear. that. Billy Butcher, Butcher was, was right, right around, around the corner, the corner but he's so focused thing. on his power. I think his weakness is that he can only focus on one power really at a time. I under, I, I want to see if his weakness is actually something that has to do with his age, because they do kind of hint towards the aging. He makes that comment about about Mallory, and it's like a projection. And let's talk about Homelander and get into that storyline. The concept of Homelander being obsessed with Mallory, you are pointing out, Stephen, weaknesses in his power, and then Ben is pointing out weaknesses in his character. What if Compound V gives people powers and they use it on teenagers? That would explain why so all these heroes are so immature. And what if the seven are all just people who have been created mostly before, of course, Starlight, created by using this Compound V? And that's how she runs the hero organization because she has control over all of those people. But, like, he acts like he's, like, a little kid, like a teenager. Um, maybe breast milk's his kryptonite. I don't know. But, like, aside <laughs> from that, I think he's, I think he's like, a young kid that Compound V turned him into this superhero. Like Shazam style. Yeah, I can see that. I can actually see that. So that means he's still in a kid. Like, mentally, he's still a kid. No, but he he's like, like a teenager. Guy. Came up, or like a teenager, right? The, I, I can see I that. I feel like he's been around too long for that to happen. I guess we'll have to keep watching to find out. But I feel like Compound V possibly stabilizes their powers, possibly, mm. in some way. And it is something that they feed them. However... We see Madeline has a lot of control over the heroes mm. and a lot of control over her corporate. So let's get into the corporate conversation, the conversation of what goes on in that building. And everyone's afraid of Mallory. Everyone. They move back. They don't speak to her directly. They don't say her name. Yeah. And, and even the doppelganger. By the way, I thought for a second Mallory had superpowers. Right? Yeah, I for, did. for a quick second. Uh, I was yeah. like, Ooh. On purpose, yeah. yeah. That was a gross scene, So by let's the way. get into that corporate aspect. We have we have that concept of what's going down with branding, business. What are your ideas on corporate? Uh, she's definitely like a, she's a businesswoman, obviously, right? But I think at some point she's also, when she needs to be, she's trying to behave as the mom of all those people. And I think she's trying to give them the feeling, hey, you can come to me with your problems. We can talk about it. We can find a solution for it. But at the end of the day, for her, still in the back of her mind, it's still about the business. But she knows how to deal with those guys. And I think that's coming back to your point as a teenager that might got something like Compot or whatever to basically be able to have these superpowers. But they're still teenagers in a way. Is that what it is? So, is she the mom, Steven? Yeah. Yeah, I think she's the mother figure, but yeah. I think she's, like, strict behind closed doors. We don't know what she's how she's treating other people, but mm. she treats Homelander really well. I yeah. think she manipulates him. I think that's a form. She knows he's obsessed, and she uses that to his uh, to her advantage. Yeah. She is a manipulator. She is a CEO. Yeah, she's definitely a manipulator, but, like, Homelander is also a manipulator. Yes, he is. And I don't know if she realizes how much of one he is, too. We saw that meeting mm. between Homelander and the Deep. That's part of corporate. I thought the deep would die. I thought so too. There was there was that moment. The hand was around the neck, and you know who else thought the deep would die? The, the deep, deep thought he would die. Mm, when sure. Homelander puts his hand yeah. around the neck, obviously Homelander has done this before, and that's why I was yeah. like, "What happened to Lamplighter?" Yeah. First episode, I was like, "Lamplighter's retirement." We didn't even get to see him. Usually, yeah. when someone retires, they show him. Yeah. We didn't see him coming into this episode. I am very certain Homelander killed him. Yeah. Very certain. Uh, or he's incapacitated and like tied and up somewhere yeah. that, and that Madeline's done to him. Also, we got a great scene. I don't I don't remember if it was this episode or last episode, but when they're walking around Times Square, 
I think it was last episode, where it's like he's telling uh, Huey that there's tons of cases like this, but the people don't want to know because they, they want to keep up. the hope, yes. and that the heroes will never bring it up because it's a multi-trillion billion dollar industry, yes. and he's just yeah. looking around, you see... All, all their the products, things. all the branding, all that. This, yeah. That's this all corporate. This reminds me of like Marvel with uh, the James Gunn thing, and like you look at James Gunn, who got nearly taken off Guardians of the Galaxy for things from nine years ago. But then you also look at Robert Downey Jr., who twenty years ago was addicted to cocaine and heroin and mm-hmm. things like that. He did a lot of things. Yeah. Did a lot of questionable things. It's like so you know. It's like how far does the public actually want to look into these things? And when it comes to people they like, they tend to skew the line a lot. Yeah. By yes, the way, I just wanted to mention something. Just wanted to add something very quickly. We talked about Homelander and what you know how he really feels about the whole situation. I believe that he's kind of tired of being who he is, to be honest. Because the one scene when he's looking at his at himself Love at the it. picture, right, and he sees Starlight coming in wearing normal clothes. Like like a random person, he's talking about that. He's addressing that to her. I said, "Oh, that's how you look like in normal life, right?" And the way how he's looking after her, I had a feeling like. And he does he, say, he's "That's kind of, your." I gave up my secret identity yeah. a long time ago. So I was like, when he said that, and when he looked at her that way, I was like, I'm in, I'm not even sure if he really still wants to do what Madeline and everyone is telling him to do. But he's still in a position where he can't really go out of it. They like, all feel like know? they all have this sense that they're not being used to their full fullest potential. Yeah. Homeland Homelander wants to be more part of this corporate and look out after from Mallory. Obviously, we see that in the last episode with shooting down the plane, and in this episode, he says, "I'm going to go find uh, Translucent myself." So we yeah. have a lot of things, and we, then we get into this congressional party, this charity thing. So. We get this party with this congressional hearing, and we get the one senator who who's telling the truth. To be very honest, and and this is and coming from I'm I'm a Washington D.C. kid. This is how a lot of government contract things play out. Honestly, we know this. We know that they take the right senators to lunch and they show them a good time and they get these big government contracts. Boy, right. once a government contract, we see the two hundred and thirty million dollar contract going to Baltimore just to have a superhero, Black Nubian. Then in this one, we want they want to be a part of national defense, which is for real a trillion dollars. This is something we spend like six trillion dollars on. So. They want a part of that. Uh, and, of course, to get her way, she sets up... The senator. The senator, who I thought was going to die, but only got framed, a la uh, a, a Godfather-like style. A Godfather 2. Well, I also think the important thing to, to talk about is is the, the power dynamics that she that the senator lays out. Yeah. They said, we, we start using supers in the military. They're going to send nukes at us. And this also explains that other countries don't have superheroes, which is really interesting to me as well. So is this an American thing? Is it Ooh, something Compound put... V is American. Possibly, oh, right? That's right. Oh, man, you got me convinced. Yeah, so you're going to find it when you sneak into the Pentagon with, an, in, with translucence powers. And Facebook. Thank All you. right, let's get into the last storyline that happened, Starlight. Starlight is a huge part of this. We have to talk about her patrol and her confronting the deep. She's trying to fit in. We see her meeting Homelander for the first time. Yeah. I mean, honestly, when they are basically at the port or what it is, right, with the water and everything, and they have to basically, like, like fight these criminals or whatever, right? And then out of a sudden, social media comes up, like someone with a camera after they did it. I think that's when she realizes, honestly, that's not me. Well, I don't want to do that like that. Well, there's that, and then we get foreshadowing of that moment when, when it's like, and this is the this is the guy with his tablet with all the, all the lists of the crimes and where they're going to happen and what times. 
And I think Vought is producing these crimes. Mm. I think crimes, they have this mission to bring crime to zero. I think crime is already at zero because of the heroes. And I think they're paying people to set up these crimes to keep making their heroes yeah. a viable source yeah. of income. Good point. Great point. I love that theory. And the concept of Starlight confronting the deep, I was so glad that she reclaimed her. And so she went from the concept of victim to survivor. And I was like, wow, that's such a powerful scene. And this is still, I guess, a prediction. But, like, if they're planning the crimes and the heroes are so used to that and Starlight's the only one who actually went out of her way to help somebody, what are they going to do when it's some real crisis that's not planned? Like the boys. And that's why I think the boys are going to be able to get away with some of this stuff because all the heroes are so incompetent that they're basing all of their heroics on pre-planned crimes. One of the foreshadows that I got was the fact that Starlight said, I did all my investigation myself. And that made me think, uh-oh, Starlight's going to investigate and she's going to learn too much. And that's going to be something that comes up. Um, we got a quick picture of Annika who's always panicking. I don't know why they keep showing Annika. Do you think yes or no really quick? Does she play a bigger part? Who are you talking about? Again? Annika. Annika at the end. The, the, the uh, analyst. That, I can do oh, whatever the guy wants. Yeah. yeah. No, I, maybe. I'm not sure yet. I'm they not sure her. Yet. I think yeah. she's the inside man for the boys. Oh, I like that so much. Oh, you you good, know what? Man. Let's get into a special prediction. I mean, special segment and then play that prediction game. Special this segment. is the worst case scenario because the boys are back in town and we're talking about Green Arrow. How could these powers go wrong? Here's the thing about Green Arrow. What is his power? He has the power of being rich. Of, he has sleeping with every girl in his town. He has the power of perception, perception and per- predictability. You were going to say perception. Perception. <laughs> persecution. Now, um, he has the power of prediction and perception. So he can be aware of the things going on around him. All he has like a, vis- a 360 degree awareness of everything going on around him, and he has the ability to like Bullseye kind of has that in Daredevil. He has that same kind of ability with his bow and arrow. Well, I was gonna. I was thinking that the bow and arrow was going to be his power and that what could go wrong is what if he had like some type of arrow Tourette's and he did like a drive-by with because if he had a drive-by with arrows we would never find this guy let's let's be you know like we're, we're talking about a time where weapons are, are dangerous extremely dangerous if he just went around and just started shooting people with arrows what would happen? I mean, he'd probably get arrested because arrows are trackable. Different types of woods are really? sold by different companies that make different arrows. I would. I had. No, this is why they're I just need as to trackable as bullets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's there's a whole science to it. What are your thoughts? What would yeah. go wrong? I mean, yeah. he's very accurate, right? So I'm just thinking, like, if he would like to shoot someone with his arrow or something like that, that he's just basically like comparing or basically t- taking the wrong person to do it, basically, and it's killing someone that he didn't want to kill. I think you know? that. He doesn't. He has an awareness of everything going on around him, but there's still an aspect of unpredictability. What if somebody walks into the track of an arrow that he shot yeah. five minutes ago to kill somebody 100 miles away? Yeah. Or what if the drywall in that certain area is weaker than he expected because he doesn't know what things are made of? Arrow just goes shoot through and goes right into a baby's crib and kills a triplet. You're a bad person. Let's get into I predictions. Like, uh, <laughs> I've kind of predicted everything already. I think we're pretty much good, right? What do you guys have? Uh, you just know what's going to happen. How do you Any think quick of predictions? all that stuff? Ben. That what? Quick predictions? I feel like that Homelander definitely 
is gonna change a lot yeah. in this in this whole season. I think he's really becoming the super villain. He's already bad in a certain way, right? But I think he really turns around the the fought international. I think he's going to fight Madeline even at the end. Interesting. I think Huey does not get superpowers. Yeah, I said it. But what I also <laughs> want to say is, where can people find you if you want to be found, Stephen Lemieux? You guys can find me on Twitter at Stephen Lemieux and on Instagram at Stephen Lemieux Photo. Ben Schnau. Hello. You can find me on Instagram at Ben Schnau and also Facebook Benjamin Schnau. If I see that thumbs up one more time. We're gonna have to fight, Privilege Jesus. Find me at oh, yeah. I am Tehran all across the board. That's right, I am Tehran because literally I am Tehran. And find me hosting and paneling on a slew of other After Buzz after shows because all your favorite TV shows are my favorite TV shows too. Until next time, where we're about to watch the next episode, thank goodness, and come right back and talk about it. Check us out. We're talking to Amazon's The Boys, season one, episode three, coming up. Bye. I have Jesus with me. Our people. founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to After Buzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.